from the land of chlamydia-ridden koalas. It's time for Destiny Down Under. Welcome to the 170th episode of the Destiny Down Under podcast. I, as every week, am Log Power Slave, joined by Destiny's favourite lore master, Sir Wallen, and also Mylan Games. <laughs> <laughs> That's some ultimate shade thrown so far. I didn't put him up to that. I just want to let you know, right? Like that, no one needs to put me up to this shit. <laughs> oh, you could not have asked for him. That was... How long have you been thinking about that one? Oh, I was in the shower was... earlier. I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do I no, slip the, we, put the slipper in today? <laughs> it is true. We have the OG lawmaster himself, Sir Wallen, joining us. So thanks for well, coming along, dude. dude. Thank thank you for pulling me out of retirement, guys. Like, uh, I wouldn't know if I was still still relevant. You know, had you guys not reached out and and picked up the phone and said, "Hey, you want to come on the podcast?" And I was like. Oh, people still know who I am. This is great, dude. Cool. So I, I can't, I can't. And and obviously, uh, you guys are paying really well for this. Yeah. Spot, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't shoot that down either. Checks in the money. I really need yeah. the money. We 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 noticed you were missing that extra soundboard in the, in the, yeah, the sound panel. Podcast right here is gonna pay for it. Was it like three ninety five or something? Three dollars fifty. Yeah. Times are tough, man. You know, hey. I gotta do what I can. You gotta scrap, man. <laughs> it's all about the hustle. <laughs> hey, you pulled yourself out of retirement, mate. You've been uploading law videos. You're back in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it is, um, you know, to be really honest, like I'm, I'm shifting jobs recently. So uh, I, I was at ESL, um, which is uh, the the Electronic Sports League, one of the larger esport companies in the world for the past uh, three years, and when I started there, right, I was like, okay, this is this is what I'm gonna do. This is my this is my career choice, right? And I put YouTube content making to the yeah, side. Yeah. Uh, and then when I switched jobs, I'm now over at, at T-Mobile. Um, I was like, okay, I, I've got some free time. I'm gonna get back into it. I, I something was missing, you know, like it, me yeah. personally. So I, I just got back into it. Now I have a good, good-ish cadence. I'm shooting uh, Sundays every every day at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard, mostly Destiny content, but then you know I'll sneak some other titles in there that that people don't like. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, oh. We've, we've been looking forward to having you back on. Like think... we've sort of been sitting in silence in our in our pre-show because we we just know we we crack on too well. We want we want to yeah. save the chats. <laughs> we do this every week where it's like the initial fifteen minutes of like all. Whoever our guest is jumping in, um, and me fucking about with all the settings and whatever, <laughs> is uh, normally the best material, and we don't air it or anything like that. So it's we, we were literally like, shush, 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 shut up, <laughs> just save it, <laughs> we'll leave it. So but you, know, um, you guys get put together like a, a behind the scenes takes, you know, and sell it at a premium to all your subs. I'm sure oh, people will buy that. I mean, I mean you there's, there's a couple of that. there's <laughs> a couple of concerns. There's a couple of concerns. One. Um, I don't think this podcast would have a following <laughs> if, if anyone could get their hands on me and Matt completely unedited. It would be 
be bad. I don't know, man. Uh, Between Matt's Matt's T-shirt and that intro, I think you guys are really onto something. (laughs) We're gonna have we'll talk about Matt's T-shirt in a minute because it is absolutely beautiful. I'm I'm drawn in by it. But um, let's look. We've got a couple of important things to get out of the way first. you know, there's been a lot of Destiny news this week, which is good because last week was a bit of bit rough on that on that front. But the most important thing we've done through the week is uh, we put a tweet out after last week's episode oh, yeah. saying that we wanted to um, basically give away the Steel Series gear that we'd highlighted over the, the preceding three weeks to someone who'd caught a bit of a knock with all of this uh, COVID nineteen stuff going on. You know, like so it was really left pretty open ended. If you know, you you could put your case. <laughs> to us in any way way shape or form um and we'd we'd kind of just give it to who we we felt we we could most benefit from it so um as it turned out it's this person someone that we've met so, so it's, it's kind of really better in that way too because we get to directly support someone who is um going through uh, a shit time but is also a really important part of the the destiny community down here in australia so roman rags as nominated by her sister ruby uh the cosplayers if you were at pax you would remember uh the hunter and hawthorne so hawthorne uh there you go you're gonna get this bundle you're gonna get the the two keyboards and a mouse and um while we understand that it's a pretty small gesture in in amidst uh everything that's going on especially globally we really hope that um a little bit of rgb goodness lifts your spirits so we'll be in touch that sounded really ominous, didn't it? <laughs> there you go. That's 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 it. That's, uh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. Oh, she, so she was Hawthorne. She was a Hawthorne cosplay. Yeah, yeah. Cosplay. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to get into because... the like reading out things that are going on in people's okay. lives. That doesn't seem quite right to oh. me. But um, yeah, just take it on good faith that it is absolutely um, yeah, it's warranted. So unreal. That's awesome. So there we go. All right, well, Maddie, do you want to tell us a story about that glorious shirt that you were wearing? Because it is, there's actually like, like <laughs> we're going to do something a little bit different and something that we probably haven't yeah. done all that much of in terms of the podcast. And Wally, you're just along for the ride, man. So just. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm ready. You got, your, you, got your, you got your Bud Light. You're fucking sweet. Um, I'm good, dude. But we're going to dive into this. There's actually culturally a few a few things going on in Australia. Dude, there's the a lot of shit going. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit, and then we're gonna get into Destiny because um, without the down under, there'd be no Destiny down under. So let's let's jump in. Maddie, tell us about your glorious shirt. It is beautiful. Okay. So this is um, it's just actually a rainbow, rainbow serpent. Um, it's part of the Dreamtime stories of Indigenous Australians. It's their sort of creation story. The rainbow serpent made. The mountains and the valleys and the the, the rivers. Um, it's from uh, a company that employs and and uses a, um, Indigenous Australians as the artists to design the shirt. So it's a, uh, supporting them. It's called uh, Bandara, um, and Danny uh, Mayfield, say Danny, uh, works for government, and her actual role was quite specific to assisting Indigenous communities. Uh, she's actually been pandemic planning for Indigenous communities for Western Australia to Unreal. ensure that COVID-19 didn't get into those yep. communities because that would be absolutely fucked. Um, some of these places are extremely remote. There is yep. no hospital near them whatsoever. Um, and unfortunately, the comorbidities of uh, Indigenous Australians are, are very poor. It's heart, lung, 
a multitude of, of other issues. So it would have been big fucking news if COVID got into Indigenous uh, communities. So that's what Danny's been preventing. And so far, thank God, done a really well job. Um, and we've got a, I think it's called, it's NADOC week, which is a celebration of Indigenous culture coming up in June. And so she had ordered uh, a bunch of like shawls and, and just the, these fucking dope shirts for all their team to, to wear and um, sort of support that culture. And I was like, they look awesome. I would mm-hmm. really love to have some of them to wear on stream. So I've got, I've got this rainbow serpent one and I've got um, some other ones with some, some native uh, animals on there. So kangaroos and, and stuff like that, all in this sort of, you know, modified indigenous artwork. So, yeah, I thought it was Anzac day as well. And so it tied in too, because we actually, um, indigenous Australians served uh, yeah, yeah. in world war one, um, even though they were not formally recognized as a citizen. And even though they legally were not part of Australia or well, Europe uh, or the colonies, <laughs> They were not even classified as humans, basically, during that time. Some of them did enlist and did volunteer, and they had they played a role in uh, ANZAC. If you're from the US audience, ANZAC stands for Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, uh, and ANZAC Day represents when we went to Gallipoli, essentially. 400,000 people died during World War I, uh, storming Gallipoli. Uh, that's not that's total, total uh, loss. Uh, I think it's... About half of that was Australian New Zealand troops yeah, or and British, British it, colony. It's one of the days that, like, this is kind of the first day that, um, at least for me, coming up on this on a personal level, like pretty much every year we get down to a service and all that sort of thing. It is a, it is a huge deal here and it has become a bigger and bigger deal as, as you know, through the course of my adult life. But obviously with everything going on with COVID and all that, people can't get together this year. So... It feels like there's a really important spoke in the wheel missing of what it is to be an Australian at the moment or what it is to be a New Zealander at the moment. So what we did and what I've seen a lot of people do around the country, they, they promoted this. It was basically just get out on your driveway and listen and uh, listen to the last post and sort of celebrate in your community while maintaining social distance and all of that sort of stuff. So. I was up at uh, 5.30 this morning with the kids and the missus out on the driveway and blaring the last post out through <laughs> Rachel's car stereo and, and that sort of stuff. So it was good. I mean, pretty much everyone in our street was out on the street and it felt, um, you know, while, while it is always a, a sort of a, it's a somber observance kind of thing, um, just being out there with, you know, our immediate sort of local community was, it felt good, man. It felt good to be sort of, you know, everyone's going through the same shit. Everyone understands and everyone's, kind of trying to do their best to, you know, pay respect to something despite the huge, huge, huge dramas that are going on in the world right now. So it was good. It was um, good. Is, it, is the last post uniquely Anzac or is that? I'm not I was sure, just thinking for the US, the US audience. Do you have a, do you know what we, what we mean when they said the last post? It's like a, tr- it's a trumpet, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no clue, honestly, yeah. What 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 would you what what do they play with serve like it's almost like it's not a funeral service but like a memorial service for servicemen and and women in in the US like it's it's sort of part of that tradition we have we have the last post we we um have it a moment be taps of silence from the grave it might be taps and that might be the closest equivalent I'm not sure honestly it's probably it's something that I've it's, I've not looked into because I mean this is. <laughs> 
I've never really looked at Anzac Day from the outside looking in. I'm always, you no, know, we're, we're born in this no, kind I've of thing. I've never sort of had to think about yeah, trying to Google, explain Trump, some right. of that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys. Uh, you, Google, yeah. Yeah, you got to you got to realize that like America itself, right, and United States in general is very inclusive, you know, in that sense where or or I think exclusive is the right word where most Americans, most average Americans don't look outside the borders in terms of what yeah. Europe, Australia, you know, any other country or continent is really doing. Right. And that's, you know, not necessarily a good thing, but um I just want to say it's, you know, congratulations to you guys, obviously. And, and I think it's it's a great thing to see that you guys are, are sharing your national pride, especially with what's going on right now. I think if you look at anything out of America that, that's currently coming, you can see that, you know, a lot of people are there's a division almost right yeah. in, in right down the middle. And that's something that's been more pronounced now because of the actions or really of, of COVID in general, where it's almost kind of pronounced the split of of how the average Americans sort of feel about each other. So I, I just want to say, you know, that that having that sense of national pride and unity is a great thing. So, you know, even if it is a somber note. Um so I actually found out a bit of information about my great grandfather. This is the best thing if, I've read. Like <laughs> this this is what prompted all of this because Matt tweeted it out this morning and we're having yeah. a quick conversation. I'm like, dude, you gotta talk about that on the podcast because it's an incredible story. It's it's nuts. So you, see if I can hold it together. All right. It's a bit, it's a bit, I didn't expect to get uh, this information. New, co new content. Um, Mylan cries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send to the full name because uh, uh, it's sort of my heritage as well. So I'll just use his first name. Um, and it's it's from it's it's from my aunt who sent it this morning. So when she says pop, she's talking about her grandfather which is my great grandfather that makes sense right and so frederick was my uh, grandfather and great grandfather to you he was a wonderful man he loved to tell jokes and do magic tricks for brian and i that's my dad um he never spoke to my dad your pop about his war service during world war one it's hard to imagine how he recovered from what he saw and experienced and yet my memory of this man was he always had a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye I just wanted to give you a little of his journey during World War I on this Anzac Day. Sadly, he was involved in some of the major battles. Pop was 24 years old when he left uh, Western Australia in April 1916 with the 28th Battalion. His first experience of the war was the cliffs of Gallipoli. The initial tragedy had occurred and his role was to provide reinforcement to the end of the year. His mother received a telegram in early December advising he had been, quotation, wounded in action. Despite trying to find further information about him for a number of months, it was not until Feb that she was advised he was back with his unit, now on the Western Front. He must have been a harrowing two months for his mum. In February 1916, he travelled from hospital to France and the Western Front. There he was in the, ma he was in the major battle of... I'm going to stuff up these French names. Uh, Pozier, and then in uh, Somme Valley. Is it Somme or S yeah, Somme Battle Valley? Yeah, Battle of the Somme. Somme yeah. Battle of the Somme. In the Somme Valley, where many of his mates did not survive. In 1917, he fought in the battles of Bellacourt, Menin Road, uh, Broodsende uh, Ridge, and Pol Capel. 
Records show he was given 12 days leave in England, probably alone with no family or friends resting uh, in order to return to the atrocities of war. In 1918, he fought in the German Spring Offensive where he was wounded again. He was in various hospitals for three months and once again, his mother received a telegram giving her little information except that he was wounded. I found a telegram from her asking if he was in hospital. The reply could not confirm his whereabouts for her. Pop returned to the battalion in August 1918, where there um, he continued to hold the crossing points of the Somme River uh, around Peronne uh, and in advance beyond Mount St. Quentin. Their last actions in the war were fought as part of the effort to break through the uh, Bariviere line from October. Pop returned home to Australia in, seven, in September 1919 after three years and 269 days in the war effort. Makes me feel very sad and teary to think about what he suffered and endured in less than four years. He returned home and got on with his life with no one hearing a word of complaint about what he had to experience. He married Mary, grandma, and had six children, dad, his oldest child. My pop died suddenly in 1974, a year after his beloved Mary, seemingly from heartbreak. I'm very grateful to pop and all he has given our family, many values and virtues to be proud of. Lest we, lest we forget, never again. That's nuts. But, oh, man. Dude, I, I'm i sorry I fucked up all those fucking names. I know people are going to flame me for it. But like, Come on, man. And, and, no and, one... and, and, and I feel like I should know them. But literally Googling them, they're like all fucking major battles. Yeah. All nope. through Paris. They're as like... We, as when we were talking about it this the, morning, I recognized he should be fucking dead. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's it's crazy. That's a pretty insane yeah. story of um, survival, and you know, we, we wouldn't have a, a a little myelin if you hadn't been through it and survived all of that. So, um, yeah, an incredibly true. incredible reminder of yeah. of um, just how real all this is, and and how you know, four generations down the line, we're um, you know, we we live because of the, the sacrifices that were made by him and so many others. So, God, yeah. how do you, how do we bring yeah. it back up? Um, <laughs> You know what? This uh, week, I'm, this week at Bungie. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the the other Australian thing and just drink a can of Solo. Uh, that's pretty fucking Australian, I think, to do today. And uh, wear a King Parrot shirt. Great fucking Melbourne grindcore band, Victorian grindcore band. So there you go. <laughs> Low on fizz, so you yeah. can slam it down. Low fast. on fizz, so you can fucking slam it. So remember those brilliant ads from the 80s solo man just running along the road but drinking this can you imagine running and drinking this shit you pretty much have like a diabetic yeah, do you stroke when he was riding a wheelie bin down the street no i don't remember we're gonna have to dig that one out anyway all right we're gonna hit the sting we're gonna come back we're gonna talk to wally about what he's been doing for the last three years and destiny <laughs> All right. Cool. So this week, you've met Wally already if you've been listening to the uh, podcast so far. But, um, dude, you've, you've had probably the most, one of the most interesting journeys of uh, anyone we've ever had the pleasure of speaking to on the podcast in terms of you started out doing the law stuff. You kind of inspired a generation of budding lawmasters like the one sitting directly above me in his little box there with his loud shirt on and uh, and then went on to to do your work for ESL. So like if people have not met you before, if they're just bumming into you for the first time right now, how would you sum yourself up in your own words? That's an incredibly unfair question, but try your best. 
getting it's like a job interview, man. Um, <laughs> no, I, I honestly I would say it's 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 I, I've always you know like people like will always say like they have like a north star, right? Like that's my north star. That that's what I want to do. Like I'm yep. super passionate about animals or uh you know plants or some shit right and so that's all they do is study plants and animals and they love that right for me it's never really been about like finding the one thing that that i've always enjoyed it's it's always been just trying to be a part of as many experiences as possible uh, a buddy of mine lives a very sort of ridiculous lifestyle right it meets plenty bunch of women telling stories all the time big into fitness tries many things his big rationale is that he wants to tell a lot of stories. He wants to have a lot of experiences for whatever reason that's like stuck with me. I think very deeply on a personal level, because I think you, you hear about a lot of people that they'll, they'll always come back and they'll be, they'll regret what they did in life. They'll, they'll land in a nine to five and then they'll spend 20, 30 years there and that's it. And that's their yep. life. Right. And I think like, I thought about that for a long time and I was like, I, I don't want to do that. Right. If, if I, Go from, you know, whether it's failure to failure to failure, whatever, or success to success to success, whatever that looks like, I am growing as a personal person along the entire journey, right? And that's what I've been going for. So I think the one thing that I've always stuck with that center, you know, orbit point has been gaming, right? Gaming as a whole has been the one thing that I've always stuck with. And I probably always will stick with because it's just a part of my core discipline. So that's a very roundabout way to answer your question but if i had to answer it that like that's it. how i'd answer it yeah, we don't get many like overarching right. philosophical answers but that is pretty incredible to be honest <laughs> yeah good Sorry, um, the beer. So, so, so um tell us about your your work with esports right because yeah man being a big part i mean I'm, I'm 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 keen to hear these stories good bad and ugly i mean yeah, I mean, no one's no one from my old job's probably watching, so it's no harm in. <laughs> oh shit! It's no harm in just you know throwing a throwing a couple jabs in here, right? Look, esports is great, man. It it's it's probably if if you had to encapsulize it into anything, it's one of the best, most immature industries to be a part of, right? Bro, because it's yeah. a it's a bunch of fucking kids at the end of the day, right? That's that's really what it is, like. The people that are big into esports now are guys in their mid mid thirties, maybe, right? And even then, they've had very very little experience. They've done one or two big things like an ESL one or an IEM ten years ago, and now they've landed a C level job somewhere at some gaming company where they sit in a round table of what people call the esports Illuminati and just sprout shit, right? That's what the esports industry really is. If, Whoa, if, if, truth if, if I'm going to be tr truthfully honest, you've got a bunch of people that, you know, get together at these major conventions and shake each other's hands all the time and buy each other drinks and talk about how cool they are and how the glory days were. And most of those people really aren't doing anything for the industry. Hey, right. So here's a question. Do you think not esports is over, but it, it, it what I'm picking up from what you're saying is sort of how I felt is that it was the golden age of esports is probably not now. Although maybe you would argue with what Fortnite's done has reinvigorated some it somewhat. Um, but with streaming and Twitch, I feel like that's definitely taken a big part part of that sales away or the wind out of the. I mean, esports. I think 
I think you really you really got to define it, right? So so take like traditional sports, okay? So in, in America, right, the NFL is arguably one of the biggest, most watched, right, football, right? That sport, it has its own fandom, own subsect. You uh, literally, as a kid, where you are born and how your family brings you up, that's the team that you're brought up into, right? So I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, not by choice, because my parents were Green Bay Packers fans, right? Yeah. <laughs> Esports doesn't have that yet, right? It doesn't have that sense of, like, legacy, right, where if I, you know, and me and my girlfriend have a kid or, or, or Mylon, you and, you and your fiancé have a kid, right, you're going to be the first real generation to bring them up into esports fandom because you're a TSM fan or a Fnatic fan or, or whatever the fuck, right? That's the one thing that I think esports is missing, and that's just because it's, you know, it's young. It's only like 10, 15 years old. Do you think old. it will ever have that? Because it's so dynamic Abs and so... so Absolutely. Million, million percent. Yeah. Absolutely. I think... I don't know if the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League are the, are the two leagues that are going to last forever. I think they're two great examples of what esports could eventually become because they're franchise systems, right? Where cities own teams, right? Yep. Essentially, right? They're still owned by parent organizations like, you know, NRG, Optic Gaming, whatever, but they live in the city and they have a local fandom. In traditional esports, it was super uprooted, right? Where I could be a fan of a European team and never see them but because I like some of those players, right? Or take some of the players from New York Excelsior, right? That call it, or that Overwatch League team, I think a majority of the that 12 are Koreans. Like they have Korean nationality. They're not American players. They're not a North New York team. They're a Korean team playing in New York in the Overwatch League. But the reason it's rooted is because they continue to play out of New York, right? And they're building that fandom up. So I think as we move towards more of these like large scale offline events and more city based city focused leagues, you're going to see more of that style of fandom where maybe in five, 10 years, maybe even sooner, you're going to be walking down the street and someone in Perth or Sydney is going to be wearing some esports jersey of some kind. And you're going to recognize, you know, it may not be like a, an American brand, like a Team Liquid, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was something closer to you guys at home. Dude, this shit, this fascinates me. I know fucking <laughs> nothing, nothing about it for someone who spent so much time in the game. So what what was your role? Like, or what, how, I just want to get an idea of what would be a regular day or maybe like, because you were involved with the actual events too, right? Like what would yeah. be, what would your day look like with an actual event taking place? Or so, Yeah, so... I think a good way. So, so at ESL, so my role at ESL is a little bit different um, than than T-Mobile, right? Okay, my different things. Yeah, my role at ESL was was a publisher relations manager, which is just right. like a fancy term for like a an account manager, right? Okay. We focused on the relationships with publishers and developers, so the Activisions of the world, or the Tencent's, or the Playstations, right. whatever, right? Right. They would come to us, or we would go to them, right? Much like an agency works with a with a you know a brand. Yeah. And we would help them craft esports ecosystems based on our experience and knowledge, right? The good thing that ESL and, and companies like like Faceit, um, MLG to an extent, and like Esports Engine, Battlefy, what they bring to the table is sort of all of their failures. And I mean this in a good way, right? These companies have existed for a period of time, but they failed so many times that they know exactly not to do, right? And what exactly to do to find success 
especially when it comes to the online and offline. So right. when you ESL, say offline, yeah. offline, online, you mean like the difference between running a tourney on Twitch versus running it in person? Yeah, to an extent, right? I I would always try to look at these things holistically, right? It, like building a, a sandwich. There's a, a good comparison to a pyramid, right? The online tournaments that we're, we're usually seeing um, are stuff that isn't truly broadcast on Twitch. You might have like a community broadcaster get up yeah, on his yeah. podcast yeah. And, and do it. But the Twitch rivals, that's that's like a step up, yeah, right? That's like almost your pro level, quality. right? That's yeah. yeah, it's like your semi-pro level. The step up from that really is the offline level events, the Fortnite World Cup in New York last year, for example, or the Call of Duty World Championships or anything in Southeast Asia in regards to, you know, mobile MOBA games, right? Or mobile FPS games like PUBG Mobile and Honor of Kings. These two titles in Southeast Asia, very close to you guys, right? Are some of the biggest titles in the that's, world when it comes to easy. So, what would be the prize pool at the mobile PUBG tournament in in Southeast Asia? Prize pool is usually something like it's usually something like two hundred and fifty thousand USD to five hundred five hundred thousand USD. Usually, right? Usually. Can you but imagine like, playing on your fucking phone and getting that? <laughs> But just th think of it this way, right? If you were a Dota, right? You're familiar with Dota, right? Valve's yeah, mobile yeah. title. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The international prize pool, right? That thing's tens of millions of dollars, right? That's that's not a joke, right? That that's more money than than most people make ever or will Dude, ever see. We have in this podcast because I could probably sound this topic. Oh, hey, I, I got more questions. Log, you're gonna have to cut me off, right? No, no, go, but, go. Um, yeah. So, all right. When did Overwatch League come out, and how has that made an impact, and how successful has that been compared to the MOBAs or the big ones? So, Overwatch League launched 2016, 2015. I think it's like 2016, right? And it was sort of the first real push of its kind in terms of a franchise system so right because it was teams and shit and you had to like buy in how many millions to like buy a team franchise right yeah i don't i don't know the exact financials but but if you if you're familiar with the 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 lcs which is riot's north american um league of legends system right teams there's usually a slot based system right to keep it even and to be able to buy in you need to have some amount of capital behind you right yeah but it, the reason it exists like that is because you get a cut of the league's profits, very much close to how the NFL or the MLB or any of those major leagues work, right? So sponsorship yeah. revenue, team yeah. tickets, media right deals. As you buy into the league, you're essentially saying, we're going to invest our capital in the league, but we expect a return as an owner, and we expect right. a return via the league. Okay. Right? So it's it's not – you're not just – throwing money in and, and saying it's not no, just well, entry ticket you actually almost have stock in the company you're you're pulling money back out and that's right. that's the ultimate objective with these franchises right so so the call of duty league and the overwatch league are the two things i think what the overwatch league has done and, and to an extent and this is just my opinion right so don't this isn't like a hot take or maybe it kind of is i think what the overwatch league has done is it's sort of rushed the incubation period right blizzard has done this in the past almost probably to a fault where they've artificially inflated an esports system to have it skip the generational stages it needs to be fully self-sufficient. So CSGO, great example, right? That title is never going anywhere, right? It, probably not in the next 20 years. It's going to be huge events 
Every single major player in the space is going to be a part of that, right? It's not Valorant, sure, will make a dent, but but CSGO isn't going to go anywhere, right? It has mega brands behind it, like Intel, like Mercedes-Benz. It's not going anywhere. Overwatch League skipped 10 years of development for its actual community base, like guys like us talking about it, and just went right to the Bro, franchise man. model, right? And said, fuck Bro. it, we don't care, right? Let's get all the big money now. We, we're going to go take these traditional sports guys that we've got from the NFL and the MLB and have them go pitch the same people that they've been pitching for the last five years in traditional sports. And now we got this new hot shit property called esports where the millennials are all about it. And you want to collect with millennials, don't you? Because didn't that start like a whole scholarship program in the US, you know, for like college scholarship yeah, programs where I mean, that's, that's there was like esports college yeah. programs. So there's a couple of those now, right? And and look, I'm not personally going to devalue anyone's education, okay? I think that the, the challenge with that is like, okay, say you get an esports degree in what? Esports team management? <laughs> like, well, don't, how does it normally work? Don't you normally just do whatever degree, but it's paid for because you're on like, you know, a sports scholarship? Is that how it works or not? Not, not, not in America. No, oh, uh, right. no, we, we typically like they're okay. So, so I'll be fair to your point, Malin. I don't, I don't want to be a dick. Um, <laughs> you can be a dick. There are some, there are some <laughs> programs that exist like collegiate scholastic programs that if like you and I participated, like say that. Say the three of us put a Rocket League team together, okay? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we kicked everyone's ass in the Rocket League. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now we have a chance because we're playing in the collegiate Rocket League level for, you know, USC. We have a scholarship for the rest of our three years of education, right? Because Rocket, we're yeah. playing for USC. That makes sense, right? And those exist. The challenge is, is that all of these colleges, because they know that the average generation, guys, basically like us and a little bit younger are no longer going to college anymore because most of those degrees that you were getting 10, 20 years ago that our parents were getting are no longer applicable in True. many of the job fields. The ones that mm -hmm. really are applicable are things like computer science, STEM degrees, right? But yeah. shit like political science and, and history, no one, that's like, there's no value in getting that. And all you're doing is essentially putting yourself into debt. So a lot of these colleges, in an attempt to stay relevant and, and grab the core US, US base that is very afraid of going into hundreds or twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of debt for the rest of their life, they've come up with esports programs. And they have no one with any type of real education running these esports programs, right? They're very much people just figuring it out as they go on because the industry itself has only been around for 10 years, right? There's not 40, so 50 year old guys. So fascinating. I love you this know? shit so, <laughs> so much. <laughs> so wait, so, you, okay, we I, so we've sort of got a tiny bit off track, but I know we probably need to move on a bit. Overwatch skips generations in its development and you're probably getting to the point of saying that this was harmful for their success or have they recovered or it's still too early to tell? I think I think there's it's a mix of, of a little bit of all of those three things. I think you're, you're traditionalist in esports, right? Um, I would consider myself one, right? I think things need to go, grow organically. I think it's up to the community and the fan base to grow that shit themselves with the support of the publisher and third-party team, okay? Yeah. I think what, what they've done is they've sort of forced it, right? And they said, here's a league. Here's a lot of money to play for. It's the one only of its kind. We're going to get out ahead of everyone else before 
you know, CS becomes too big or LCS continues to gobble up the market, right? And there was really at the time in North America, no other true FPS titles that were creating something like this. You had CSGO, but CSGO is an international thing. And North America itself is sort of an esports ecosystem is five years behind Europe and maybe even, I would say, seven years behind Southeast Asia. I mean, I want to keep talking, but I don't know Go if on. we should or if, or if people are happy. Uh, look, for, look, for mine, <laughs> like as, as an avid fucking sports fan and that, it does seem really obvious from the outside looking in that skipping a generation of that indoctrination of fans is going to lead to, as Etz just said in the chat, and is probably the perfect analogy for that, it's basically a, a competition right now that is a mile wide, but it's inch deep and no one's really emotionally invested in it. And that's what you're getting at with with like why throwing money at something that is culture isn't necessarily the way to go about it, right? Like that's totally agree. To totally, I think I think you're spot on, right? I think I think the guys in your chatters are switched on 100%. I think the value really in North American esports and, and really just global esports is is leagues like the CDL where you have Call of Duty, a title that came out in 2005. Right, shit that we all grew up on. No one can escape COD. You've seen it, you've played it, you've touched it, you've talked about it at some point in your life, right? That's talking about a community that has been around forever. Yep. The same guys that are playing today, guys like Scump, guys like Crimson, guys like Formal, they were playing five, six, seven, eight years ago under the CWL, which was MLG's old property, right? So that is the type of property that I want to see successful because that community deserves it more than anyone else. They've, they've been guys that have been waiting for large capital like Activision and Blizzard to essentially say, we're going to support you. We're going to build something around you. And we know the community is going to show up. So I think CDL is a success story. I think Overwatch League is sort of like the proof of concept or you know case scenario kind of thing. How do we innovate on that? And they did it with the CD CDL. How do you think Fortnite. that like... Look, sorry, sorry, man. Matt. You've had your fucking go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we need that. Um, we need that sound by the PM, Andrew. Andrew, it's got Andrew, be Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. <laughs> um, how for mine? And like, I'm pretty. I do watch a little bit of this sort of stuff, but I've I've not yet really become emotionally invested in any capacity. Primarily because everything that we're about is Destiny, and Destiny is so far from being in this frame, especially at the moment, that it's... Are you probably... saying Destiny's not esports ready? Uh, uh, unfortunately, man. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, would, would, it be, would it be incredible? Yeah. Yes. But to sit here pragmatically and say that we think Destiny is going to be an esport anytime soon is... Would, would be lying to you. <laughs> I'll say that. But do you think uh, that there's a cha an additional challenge that comes along with esports that traditional sports don't face in that there's kind of like an, the inherent redundancy of technology and games that go along with it. Like, you know, like you, you use NFL football as an example. That game hasn't changed all that much in a hundred years, and people right. will know what the they're going to get. Changed they... a lot, though. Sorry, the technology has changed oh, yeah, a lot, right? And, and that's also influenced a lot of absolutely. Strategies like you, and, you look at a you look at a footballer play. from now and a footballer from fifty years ago, and they look completely fucking different in terms of physiology. So there's always that. But do you think that it, like from the outside looking in, from my perspective, the biggest hurdle that they're going to have is transitioning, sort of generationally between games, because you cannot like I I don't want to watch CS:GO because it's not a game that I play. 
and I don't give a shit right. because I look at it and I go, right. that's ugly. Well, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, from the outside looking in, I know I'm not shitting on the game. It's just something that I've never been particularly drawn to for that reason. So like when you've got a game that is coming out that is on the cusp of, you know, like Fort, Fortnite's probably the best recent example. Yeah, I was going to say Fortnite's to jump on that really quickly, example. but they've got to yeah. be able to continually do that to keep something like an overarching ESL sports league going for indefinitely because otherwise it's just going to yeah. be built around the, the lifespan of a game. How, how do you, yeah. have you got a take on that or what do you think? That's a good question. I think you, you really got to look at, you know, the pre-existing titles in the space like League of Legends, right? And you got to look at CSGO, right? And, and you simply just have to just look at it from a numbers purely, only yep. a numbers perspective, right? Those leagues continue year on year to grow in viewership, right? And then now they've switched their metric, right, on how they measure success. So it's now called uh, average minute audience, which is essentially like it's average uh, concurrent audience to over um, viewer time, average watch time or some yeah. shit like that. Right. Um, and essentially, this is now the golden metric to determine if, if you're successful. It used to be peak viewership. Right. And concurrent viewership. So how many people did you get in the room and what was the average across the broadcast? Both of those numbers, I think uh, the AMA is the best one. I think when you talk about peak viewership, it's bullshit number. Right. Because. You've got like Twitch embeds that live everywhere. And, you know, Blizzard yep. does something where if you're watching via Battle.net, you're counted as a viewer twice or some crazy thing that they fixed. I hear what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. I think that's an inherent challenge of, of any sport traditionally, right? If you yep. look at the MLB's numbers here in North America, right, their numbers from both a ticket fan base perspective, a physical ticket holder perspective, and an online viewership perspective from linear media are going down year on year right? The league itself is suffering. And a lot of it is to that point where it's a historic, it's America's game, right? It's always been kind of called that. It was something that our parents grew up with. It started in the early, almost 1900s, right? 1910s, 1920s, just coming out of the Great Depression, right? This was the game that people yeah. went to watch early here. But now when you talk about the MLB, it's, it's you're competing with the NFL, the NBA, esports, Whatever ESPN2 has, with bowling championships or croquet matches, whatever, right? Dots. There's so Dots much more share. <laughs> there's share of voice out there, right? And that's going to be the biggest challenge is that some of these traditional sports titles and some of even the esports titles cannot penetrate to capture enough share of voice in the market to say to you, right? I'm engaging. I demand your viewership. You need to tune into me. You're going to say exactly like, I got better shit to do. I want to play Destiny. I want to watch my own shit. This doesn't interest me. And that's okay. I think that's that's an inherently that's an okay thing. You yeah. should be able to say that, right? Because if things aren't valuable to you as the viewer and they're not valuable to many people, then they don't really deserve to continue, right? And they need to innovate to get your viewership back. And how can they do that? That's the questions they need to be asking themselves as leagues and publishers, right? How can we keep you, right? We don't want to lose you as a viewer. How do we get you back? I think it's one I, of those I things. I love that question because it's like... I think it's one of those like, things. Hey, personally just having a stab at this right if you if this becomes enough of a money spinner which it clearly is on that trajectory to become something that a game is designed around to an extent you know obviously every mm -hmm. game's designed for people playing on their fucking lounge or at home in their little war room or whatever but <laughs> i think right now like you take the example of csgo and you say well once it starts to wane and the interest starts to dip off and all that. And fair enough, this is an industry that's growing now, so you're probably not seeing that. You're seeing it continually grow. Sure. 
But I think that they will, that ultimately we will get iterations of games that are tied not to development cycles of consoles and things like that, but closer to audiences and ret- audience retention on things like esports if it grows to that point. That's what, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like just, just thinking at it from the outside in, like that innovation and um, new hook is going gonna, is gonna to be pivotal if they really want to make this grow. Because like you look at Fortnite, Fortnite's still killing it. But in two years' Tra- time... Travis Scott... Travis Scott concert, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy. I've seen more. I've seen more insane shit going with that game than I have seen in any other game ever. Yeah, but But I guess your your question is like, in twenty years' time, will Fortnite be as popular as NFL has been over a fucking hundred years? Twenty eighteen Fortnite in twenty years' time isn't going to be the biggest esports game. No, you're going to be. I've got a hypothetical for you, right? What what if what if so I think obviously esports is treated like other competitive sports where mm-hmm. you have a player who specifically plays a sport in this case mm-hmm. a game. Why are we not moving to say a model where you have an esports team and you have your SBS team and you have your real time strategy team and as the game changes, I mean your your roster would obviously change, but you would actually have some heritage there now with. Then okay, so as the game changes, all right, these are our Fortnite guys, and now we're moving on to the next game. And you know, so you're you talking know, about rather, having like an overarching system that covers all games. Yeah. Well, I think so. Get off the internet now and that. patent it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you doing, you, you idiot? Like, you, you what are, have you done? Are, are, you, you would you would support your local team still, and you know that they would get the best roster for the current game of the latest five years. So, so, yep. so some some people do that, right? They age out, right? Essentially, that's what they're doing, right? So it's like, say, you know, I'm, I'm 29, right? I'm gaming prime when it comes to, like, you know, Twitch-based shooters. I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at it. This is it. You know, it's all downhill from here. I right? can confirm and it should... is absolutely all downhill from there, mate. Yeah, right. You you get shit on by kids calling you boomer in Destiny, you know, chat, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. right? Like I was I was here, you know, back in beta, the Destiny one, no big deal, right? Whatever, right? No one cares about that anymore. I I think you you do have that to your point, Malin, but to a very very small extent, right? Because it it it's because you have this this influx of so many like these traditional people from traditional sports that are just don't want to do it anymore, right? They're fed up with the bureaucracy and the bullshit and the lack of innovation. And you have these partner managers, these sponsorship managers, program producers, whatever, coming into esports. And the guys that would be aging up, people like you know, grassroots tur- tournament organizers or even players, they don't have that position because some of these larger teams are owned by VC firms. They're owned by private capital. And they're going to start pulling in people that have a more business style of thinking, right? Where they can generate year-on-year revenue for something like an esports team. And they're not going to pick up Joey from their team. They're going to pick up Billy, who was a partnership manager for brands on the NFL. And, and so there's a dynamic of that where it's a new industry. And because the industry wants to make money, people are in it to make money. They're going to go out and find people with some style of expertise and experience. Yeah. It's close to what they're looking for. And it yeah. doesn't come from esports. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's that's what I'm getting at is like it's so early in this development. And I feel like we're still following the rules of traditional sport. It'd be interesting to see 
if it's like, why are we trying to make a square peg fit around hole? Fit around hole. Yeah. yeah. No, right. I, I like, agree with that. Yeah. I think that's, what? that's always the case with innovation. When we don't yeah. need different balls, like, you know, yeah. like we don't need <laughs> different fields. We don't need anything. We, we don't have the same limitations as a physical sport. You can do it from home in your pajamas. It's fucking great. Yeah, it is, it, it's, it's incredible. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I think the, the one takeaway you just have to, to look at esports is that it provides a unique opportunity for almost everyone to participate in, right? Whereas traditional sports, you're gated by your physical ability, right? And that's a great point. You know, like, yeah, look, to make it to the top level of esports, you're, you have to be good. They're, you know, it's not a freebie. You have to be better than other people. Just like physical sports, you have to be either genetically gifted or physically gifted or work really fucking hard. Esports is still the same side of that. It's just more on the Twitch based shooter, how well you can move your mouse around your your monitor and how quickly you can, you know, assign your brain to targets. It's the same style. It's just two spectrum. So, but the difference is, is that if you and I wanted to go play a private match in destiny, we can go do that right now. We can just load up our game and go. If you and I wanted to go jump on an NFL football field, well, we're shit out of luck. You know, yeah. we can play catch in the backyard, but we're not playing not the on the thing, field. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's the nuance of it, that it opens up opportunity for all of us, which is the great thing about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a pin in this right now by saying that uh, we're probably going to have to do a part two of this at some point down the road because I think there's so much yet that we have not covered, but we, oh, probably, yeah. we probably need to transition into actually talking. Oh, no, no, totally cool. I'm here, guys. I love <laughs> I love esports. Uh, but look, if, no, if was, you if really you are rocking on man. in chat or really you're uh, you're listening to this wherever you are, tweet at, tweet at us and tweet at Wally and tell us, tell him uh, how much you've enjoyed it, just as Matt and I have, because this is something that we've t- yeah. spoken about sort of in the background for a long time and it's super interesting to get someone with actual sort of industry impressions so um super super good and i guess it's this is the best possible segue to get into hyper competitive things like guardian games <laughs> uh, yes yes <laughs> now um I did make a promise on the internet that I would be completely insufferably smug if Titans won the day and they've won two days in a row so I think we can just put a line through it all other classes are shit Titans are the best. The end. Matt, thoughts, comments? No, mate, you fucking know what's happened. They've they've done a weighted system, and they've and they've initially started off with the weighted system to like see if it could be fair and equitable, and then and then originally they thought, oh fuck, Titans again, absolutely slammed, and they've grabbed their fucking mouse and they've just slammed it to the fucking. 150 <laughs> percent weighted system or whatever they did multiplier oh what should we multiply oh i don't know 400 and then now times of shot look fucking bungee won't admit it but that's exactly what's happened you seem very butthurt <laughs> you just seem now, are you are you are you a hunter is that is that what you mean I, is that hunt by, yeah i'm a hunter now yeah yeah he, he was like two months ago he was a fucking time two, two months a, i yeah, went she, warlock time and then hunter I'm, so, so when you play now, you're just doing your little Naruto run across the map, yeah. you know, zooming yeah. around, Another right? Twirly your stoppies. Twirly okay. twirls. I'm just going to go out there and say that Matt, like, God bless him, may well be the worst hunter of all time, though. <laughs> like, he's the, he's the only hunter I've ever, ever seen stressed about cracking a golden gun because he's used to not getting any kills with it, despite being perfectly fucking good at every other part of the game. 
It's probably better at me than the in the actual mechanics and shooting I and all of that. It's supers every, is useless. <laughs> every fucking super I suck at, and it's like I change every time I fail it. I change it to something else. I just have not found my. I've I've found my groove with a, just a general gameplay with the hunter and the dodge ability and having that is amazing. But I, I I've not found anything that I could consistently get kills with in a super state. So that like pole dancer subclass, not your not your speed, but everyone just runs away from me. I can't mm. catch him. <laughs> Too slow. Okay. I'm gonna need to dig out that video that we did. You just said pole dancer, and it reminded me of that stupid. Fucking... I that's that's where I'm getting it from because I remember that video, man. I remember that video. I think it's time to retweet like, oh. that puppy out. <laughs> I had so many people comment on that and like, is that fucking Sir Wallen? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you talk him into that? I just asked. It, 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 that was the, I swear, like that was around the same uh, time. Uh, last time I was on the podcast as well. Like right around the same time we did that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that was, dude, that was a blast. Yeah. Look, I, I think personally the, the Guardian Games is, is really cool. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys a question. Is it true that the Warlocks and the Titans have signed an alliance? Is, is that I'd never a true ally. thing? I'd never ally with a Warlock. Because that's that's what I've heard. I've heard the Warlocks and Titans have come together in true righteousness to beat down the ultimate evil, the Hunters. Of, of hunters. I, I heard the way that Titans were getting ahead where they delete, they were deleting their characters because they've got no honor and restarting <laughs> characters to get the free medals and then handing them in. <laughs> that's what I fucking heard. You just made that up? Or? No, no, no. Really, that's a thing? Oh, rigor. No, oh, I think Rick there's Ackers. yeah, you do that. Yeah. Oh, Rick Ackers fucking tweeted oh, this morning. Oh god. So not like what we're saying is that ultimately, as much as all of us already knew this anyway, it's completely pointless. It's basically whose line is it anyway? All the points are fucking made up and it doesn't really matter, so who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I still think there, um, I still think any, that ultimately what do you think hunters about will guarding be. games. What do you think about guarding games in general? I, I, to be honest, I think the the competition side of it is fine. I, I really do like I like the the items you get. I like the, the there's been some really great memory coming from it with yes. people. You know, I, there's great banter and, and what kind of stuff. But the actual games itself, I just don't give a shit about bounties anymore, man. <sighs> I just fucking hate bounties. Anytime that, that one of these events comes around, and it's like, you know what, you know what, actually, you know what burnt me out on this completely was the fucking dawning. And that XP shit you could do where you could just bake cookies and go and give them to people. And that was. Oh, you don't like, you don't like baking cookies for Eva Levante? It doesn't. On a, look, no? on a personal level and a wholesome note, I'm fine with it. But the fact that it was just like a boring fucking completionist thing that I did for like two whole days. And then I went like, why am I doing this shit to myself? And now ever since then, I can't get out of this mode where anytime I'm given a bounty, I kind of roll my eyes at it and see it like a shopping list. Where I've got to go mm -hmm. down to fucking Coles and do my groceries and buy all the shit and then go back and, you know, get it home. And then the only thing that you get as a reward for doing that is another fucking slightly different grocery list that you've got to go down <laughs> to again. And a pat on the back, I, maybe. You, I, you I, know I just, what I can't understand is I don't understand why they did like Bounty Inception. I don't understand why they made that even more complicated than what it needed to be almost like trying to make it look like a bounty like you complete bounties to complete bounties like you have your bounty <laughs> bounty yeah. items and then there's and an then overarching bounty, bounty that and is completing bounties yeah there's a quest step about completing bounties 
Why, why don't, why not just make the bounties easier to get medals? And you just the medals are just tokens. Why not just why call them medals? Just call them fucking tokens. And you give bounties, you get tokens, you put the tokens in the thing. I, I, th- I, I think, think it's a great question, man. I, I honestly, I, it is one of the things after reading the twelve something that they're going to be addressing in the near term future is this whole yeah. bounty thing and how they're going to try and innovate on it. And I think, like for a lot of people who've been playing Destiny through its entire lifespan. It's one of those things that has kind of just been, it's been the gradual itch that's grown into kind of the festering fucking sore of like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. It's just, I don't like, for mine, I'm not that kind of dude anyway. I know I'm not a completionist. I get in and I play whatever I want to fucking play. And if that lines up with what, you know, I'm required to do for a bounty, good. And if not, it's going to sit there until it expires and then it's fucking gone. <laughs> so I Wait, don't. Just quick, quick question. When, when was, what was the last. Uh, title you guys went for? Uh, I've never got a title. I never. You never got a title. Um, for me. What about you, Mike? I got last season's one and Shadow. I spent a lot of last season doing uh, the stuff from uh, season of Opulence. So it was some stuff that I didn't do at the time. I wasn't playing quite as much then as I was last season. So I did both of those in in quick succession. To well, say quick succession. So I month. The, <laughs> the one thing i went for was the undying right because i just yeah. love i love the name of the title i thought it was super cool when i went after that 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 just burnt me out completely like i didn't play uh any of saint 14 coming back i barely played um this season expansion just because i don't understand the bunker system like at all um yeah, I, think- I think that's that's part of the problem right is that you have you have sort of two split branches you have super casual where you can get on and just dick about and do whatever but if you really want very excellent sort of cool rewards you have to divest basically a second job to get those cool titles right yeah and no, that's, and that's that's where it's getting at and it's no joke like like i'm looking right. at this season i i i didn't get undying because I, I didn't find the uh the activity engaging i just couldn't be fucked mm-hmm. with it and i went pretty mm-hmm. early on in that i'm like i have to run this how many fucking times oh my god i'm not doing it, it's a grind yeah. yeah yeah so so like unless you really want something um I think that it's it's like I think part of it is tied to to like the the short termness of these titles, right? Like it's not yeah, like you look at yeah. you look at the two that I did last season. You've got whatever it is, uh, the season of the worthy one. It's that like I sa- Savior and Savior, Savior. So compare Savior to Shadow. Now Shadow is still yeah. there. You can go back and do it at any time, and I did it. Six months after I could have done it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And and I went back and you know chipped away at it and did the things that I hadn't done and I had endless amounts of time to do it and it was something that kept me occupied when I wasn't particularly interested with what was going on in the current game. With the way the season structure is now, they all go. Like unless you were there in the moment at the time doing it, you've got your fucking three month window to get yeah, it yeah, done yeah. or it's dusted. That's yeah. it. And I think that yeah. I, I think like while. From the outside looking in and, and probably from Bungie's perspective initially creating something that pulled people in every season seemed like a really good idea. I think it's rapidly become something that it was like, oh, okay, well, if we have to pull people in every season, we have to have enough there for people that, you know, they're going to have to play for a long time every season to get everything done. And for, for sort of like the bottom two thirds of the, the community, I think you sort of then, you don't do it by default, you do it by choice. And at that point, right. you become like, can I really be fucking bothered with this or not? Like, do I just want to get yeah. in and play the way I want to play? Or do I want to jump through all the hoops to get a thing that I, I may not even use anyway? Titles are cool. Don't get me wrong. I love 
I love the them being instituted in the game. I think the Trials of Osiris title is um, one of the more better implemented uh, titles. And I think um, while Grandmaster Nightfalls aren't particularly well received, I think Conqueror, the title for it, of going around and doing them all it, and not having a time frame on it is is fine. It's these... It's like undying, as you said. You, you know, like you went so hard at it, burnt yourself out, haven't given a shit since. And I think that that's probably the thing that needs a revisit. You know, if it's just a seasonal one, it's never going to be the one that people are like, oh, man, I've got this. You know, I'm the, it's not fucking the, the trials one. It's not um, the, the conqueror or anything like that. It's not, it's not a top tier one. It's not one having done flawless raids. It's nothing that anyone's going to be super prideful of having. So I don't right. understand why they've got to be super hard to get. My, my my hot take is I don't I don't want them to be less difficult, right? I think I, I think there needs to be varying degrees of of sort of separation here. I think that a title is probably one of the more like sort of elusive kind of cool things. It's like gear sets almost in a way. It shows off to your friends your status. You yep. know where where are you in the game? Your gear and your title do those things, right? So I think there should be an element where it's difficult to get. But I think with Undying, it was more like, how much time did you want to invest to get it? It wasn't necessarily difficult, right? Nothing about yeah, I think doing that's, that. That's, was, that's was, true of the seasonal past stuff, the right? ones that are tied to the seasonal stuff. It's, not, it's time. It's not effort or yeah. ability. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's my core, I, I guess, challenge to the system is that like, if you want to get these titles, you can. Anyone can get these, right? They're not particularly difficult to get. It's do you have enough energy and willpower and time in the day to invest to get the titles and right there you walk sort of a fine line there of like well if you did it any less than everyone would have and it wouldn't be really elusive right and if yeah. you yeah. you know kept it the same you're gonna have people like like sir wallen uh bitching from his crypt on his youtube channel somewhere right so like <laughs> you're gonna get a mix of that and no one's ever really gonna be happy i think the the term is that like you want to be able to have your community sort of walk away not necessarily happy but content, right? You're never going to make everyone happy, but you can certainly try to make everyone feel content. So those are, those are two separations that I think they're striving for. And I'm hopeful, man. Bungie's done a lot of really boneheaded moves in the past, but but all of their recent communication, specifically how they're handling uh, trials cheaters, right? I think those things are all moving in the necessary right direction. Sure, it takes them much longer than it than a lot of us believe it should, but we're all sitting on this side of the fence chanting in right we're not inside especially during what is you know one of the largest pandemics that we've ever experienced yeah, as people definitely we have no idea times. how that's affecting their development cycle right so there's just a lot of factors there. yeah don't you think i mean i think i've said it every week and i think it has to come down to what they can what events what or what activities they can feasibly get done for every season and i think would you say Menagerie was probably a a better or, or in, one I'd of the say best in recent activities? Times, since the pickup of the seasonal model content like style, I'd say that Menagerie that opulence was the peak because yeah. of the rewards. Yes, and you could you could farm the rolls repeatability that you wanted to get. Yeah, repeatability, yeah. and it was it was it was a decent. People were doing it. Mm -hmm. You could go and do it. And grind it, and it wasn't completely fucking boring. It was actually fun to do. So, someone had a good take. I think it was uh, Dark Side Royalty. I'm, I'm sure 
you you both maybe yeah, are yeah. familiar yeah. with him, yeah, right? Yeah, Joker, yeah. He had a pretty good take on like comparing Destiny to like I think it was like Final Fantasy 14, where he said like, you know, Final Fantasy 14 is something like 26, 27 dungeons, um, a bunch of different raids, and it's got a, like a cyclical uh, sort of end game system that cycles every single week for greater rewards for players, right? And you know, the question he kind of posed was that like, why isn't there a system similar in Destiny? And I think that's that's always been sort of like the pulse of this has been like the lack of content in some aspect, right? Or, you know, elements that I've never really, I've never enjoyed since Destiny 1 and I've always been hypercritical about is time-gated content. I, I think that is the most artificial bullshit that a developer can put in yeah. because it's basically saying, we know this shit's quick. We know you're going to get through this in an hour. And if we don't time-gate it, you're going to not have anything to do for the next six months as we put out another DLC right that's that's a, there's a inherent flaw in a development system like that right and again i'm speaking purely from a consumer perspective right i just want to give that the context i have no clue what it takes to develop right so i'm just bitching right <laughs> I, I don't know right what what it's at like the bunch of guys over there like they truly could be like fuck man we're really trying here i wish these community guys would just kind of like see it from our perspective but because you know only you know damage and you know deej and a couple of people can really communicate on the behalf they can't go out and say stuff like that right and they have to always put it in the lens of the corporate light that's you know essentially positive and hey we're working yeah. on it right yeah. so i think do you, know do you know i think the biggest mistake was the seraph towers it was almost like a test whether there would be buy-in if you put an activity in a public space rather than having a separate bubble that was match made because mm -hmm. It's like, if we put this big activity in the environment, will people do it? And the answer was resoundingly no. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go try to do a Seraph Tower right now, there is fucking no one doing it and you can't complete it. Yeah. And not only that, there's no reason to. And one of the reasons for that is there's no reason to do that. And it, what, what would have been interesting is imagine if Seraph Towers had the rewards from Menagerie. Would have oh, that yeah, made that damn. world? Do you imagine yeah. like a dude. world where... Guardians were flocking to public areas to farm roles. Like that would have been a different experience. So I sort of like half of me thinking, was this an experiment to see if they could have player buy-in in a public space to mm -hmm. model? Because, because the thing about doing the public space from a story perspective, it's way more engaging, right? This is in the world. There are change. There is things in the yeah. EDZ on the moon, there are bunkers. It is in the world. The world is changing. That is more engaging as a story but no one participated in it. So it has the opposite effect because now everyone doesn't give a fuck about, about almighty. The other, the other thing that that, that comes down that, to, that, the other thing that that comes down to Matt is, is that like the, the permanence or the, or the transience of something like this, that seasonal com, like seasonal content in that, you know, it's cool. There's these big things that are out in the world now and you can go and see them, but we can't tie anything too important to them because they're going to fuck off at the end of the season. So, well, do you reckon the bunkers, they're just going to close the doors, I reckon. They're going to close them. Yeah, the, probably. The hatches will close. Probably. Rasputin that's goes back to sleep. Boot, fucking done. Yeah. Yeah, but, and I think Matt, that's the floor in you, it. I think that's the floor in the system. I'm, I'm going to ask you, Matt, like, and this yeah. is just my naivety is, is, like, just doing my own research on this, like, just so I have it right from a lore perspective. Right. We, we are creating weapons via the Seraph Tower, right? To launch into orbit to combat the veil, as they're supposedly called, the darkness, right? Is that the intention? 
of, oh, of these look, I don't even know if it's more than that because the the law book that they released was Trials and Tribulations, and it was to do right. with Brother Vance and the origins of yeah of that great fucking story, man. That great Love story. That story. Uh, great story. I, I just reread uh, the web law. The web law is Shax's origin, and which we'll get to later. This is gonna I fucking mark my words. This is gonna be a major, major plot twist coming up soon. And I think it's related to the leaked documents, but I'm not gonna get into that. But there's mm-hmm. some crazy you know that the Bandoila episode? The ba- yeah, yes. okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is I reread that and it's a really complex piece of writing and it's 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 reminiscent of Destiny One where you don't get the full picture when you I read it. I couldn't even I couldn't make it through it. It was that fucking hard to read. It, it is but, hard. It's a hard fucking read, and it's one of those pieces that you need to read it first to know the ending, so you pick up on the clues as they're being dropped as they go through. Because if you don't know what they're referencing, you just miss everything. And so I've and it's fucking huge document. I don't know how many pages it is, but I. <coughs> um, I spent. It's done. Yesterday, I was like, normally it takes me half a day research, half a day writing, and I'll get a little video done. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I spent the entire day reading and writing notes still, and I'd already read it once. Damn. Okay. Yeah. It, I, I, and I feel really bad because I criticized the writing at first, and it's it has a lot of depth. I'm still not a huge fan of the complexity of writing. It reminds me of like, the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, like it, it's very descriptive in a lot of areas, and I just feel like it takes away from that. But it's also, I think, part of its mystery. Anyway, we'll talk about it in a, in a little bit. And I forgot what I was saying. But oh, now your question was: there's no real lore in there about the role of the Seraph Towers. I mean, my only understanding is it's it's to prepare Raspin's defenses for all the Almighty. That's all I all that I've taken away from. It. Unless it's in the I, I, Seraph yeah, here, I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't read anything that that's what I was gonna, uh, you know, make my video about this weekend. And then as as I was doing my research throughout the week, I realized that like there's nothing really like I you know I I kind of feel you right. You want to be able to base your content off of something concrete. You know, it's fun to go in deep in the weeds and come up with like a theory yourself and like you know put your yeah. tinfoil hat on and do shit yeah. like that. But it's more fun to be able to like tie something to an authentic experience within the game. And I was looking into that. And I just didn't see anything like concrete, like why, like why are we doing this? And I think again, you you can kind of piece it together, right? Bife did a very good uh, piece on this as well, sort of explaining what his thought process was. And I actually agree, right? It's some type of we're preparing, as you're saying, for the darkness, the yeah. Almighty, whatever, right? Some type of enemy by creating this defense web of satellites or some type of weaponry that would surround earth and the traveler and protect it against what's coming next yeah because there is the i think the reason why there's not much on it is because it is a red herring because i do think this is going to twist to preparation for the pyramid ship invasion and if you look at brother vance's story that's what that's about (laughs) essentially Mm -hmm. uh and if you look at these other origin stories like I, i i don't know i think that's because I said that they want to link the seasons together, and I think you don't link this season to previous to Shadowkeep through the Almighty. You link it through the Pyramid Shift. So I think yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be the the thread. Uh, yeah. and maybe that's why there's a lack of information there. Is it that it's just a it's a red herring in in regards to defense I think, preparation? I think the whole purpose of this season really 
is just to clarify where Rasputin stands. And that's it. I think the, the Almighty the is... The Almighty is just a thing. The Almighty is just a MacGuffin that here's the thing that causes people to interact yeah. with each other. Yeah. And okay, now here's the here's the here's the shit or get off the crapper moment that we need to for for fucking Rasputin yeah, to decide where right. he stands. And now he's decided where he stands. We deal with the Almighty, and then now we know we've got Rasputin on our side, and we fight against whatever comes next season. I think that's that's yeah, as, I- as simple as it is. I, I, I agree, but in, in in my mind, right, I never – there was never really like a doubt in my mind where where it stood, right? Like the, the argument was always that he prevented the Traveler from doing something, right, whether that was leaving or escaping or unleashing some type of greater uh, evil against us, right? Something like that, right, that he was the one who fired the shot kind of thing. But if you really, like, kind of analyze that, he fired the shot to save us eventually, right? He didn't – he didn't do that, right? The Traveler had to stay here for humanity to stay safe in some capacity. Because if the Traveler had left, at least in, in my opinion, he would have ended up like, you know, the Fallen or ended yeah. up like any other species that the, the Hive conquest, right, in the Books of Sorrow, right? Yeah. They just don't exist anymore because there's nothing there to protect it. So I've always seen him as like a, a good guy, right? Whether he helped us or not, that, that's, you know— the dude's clearly been through a lot. Like some of, and Matt, I think you're probably more familiar with this uh, than I am. But it, but from what I've read, at least in the lore, and my takeaway was that during that that collapse moment, right during during whatever happened there, he was almost split apart and fragmented to an extent, right? And that's why um, Maya <laughs> is essentially going around the system trying to put him back together and get him access to other bunkers. Is that? Am I on the, the right track the, there? The the new web law, like mm-hmm. very. Uh, conclusively answers that question. Okay. I think we're always. Should we wait? We got more twab to talk. No, about I won't touch before. it. I won't touch it. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, we'll circle no. back. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. No, um, I'm just thinking because what will happen is meanwhile you got to get fucking deep here, and then and then and, and then, then we like, haven't finished the twab. Oh, we so one of the whole twabs about fucking cheaters, and we didn't talk about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that won't take. I don't think. Why don't I, don't, we get, I don't think we need, really twab. need to get into the nitty gritty of it, but. The, probably okay. the most important takeaways from the TWAB this week for mine are that Bungie is revisiting the philosophy on more than a few things with respect to trials. The way it rewards, mm-hmm. the way it rewards participation at lower levels, the way it rewards uh, the continuation of cards so that, you know, like people aren't farming the front end of the card. I think there's some important changes to be made there. They seem to be on the right path of them. Probably the biggest takeaway for me, aside from the fact that, you know, like they addressed the, how they go about fighting, combating, um, exploiting the game. They can't really give us any detail because that just gives the people who exploit the game detail yeah. on how to one-up them. So mm-hmm. that for mine is, um, you know, like it, it, was a, it was a very long way of saying that they're listening, they understand, and that is what it is. Um, but it was, it was nice nonetheless. But probably the biggest takeaway from the whole thing for mine is at the very tail end of the security discussion is them saying that they are realizing now that maybe they have made an error in having trials be free to play for all, that they're considering making it locked to uh, investment in your account or putting it behind a paywall if they feel the need to. Now, they kind of seem to sit on the fence a little bit with that in that they're like, oh, well, look, we want it to be something that everyone can jump in and play, but if it's going to be to the detriment of the entire community, then it can't be. Look, the clearest I can be about this is 
it is a detriment to the community for it not being fucking yeah. at least paid content. I would be completely happy if they said you needed 100 hours in-game and paid content for it to be fucking done. Like, I, I, I don't think anyone who is invested enough in Destiny to be playing pinnacle fucking, like, trials, the, the be-all, end-all PvP mode, I think it's a no-brainer. I think they could go next season and say, Trials is behind a paywall. You need to have, have 100 hours on your account to even get into it. Or 100 hours for every fucking win level or anything. It doesn't matter. It, like, Because anyone who's here and is rusted on and is absolutely invested in it, they're there already. And the fucking cheaters, it just cuts them straight out of the fucking equation, nearly. I think, I think my only challenge, right, and I, I don't disagree with you, right, I think there needs to be some level of sort of premium exclusivity with it. But I think I think the true challenge is is not necessarily that the game is free to play. It's that the security infrastructure that Bungie has implemented is poor. Right? That's the problem. If if the security infrastructure wasn't poor, it shouldn't matter if you're free to play or not. Right? I think I think that that, that I mean, while that statement isn't incorrect, yeah, I think that yeah, something like this is always a fucking arms race. It's always an arms race, and you look at other free-to-play games like Warzone and things like that. They 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 have the same fucking problems. It's not yeah, well, they have, yeah, it's not endemic it. to Destiny. It's 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 a wider spread thing. And I think that one thing that people aren't going to want to do if they are literally just going into a game's ecosystem to fuck the other people's experience up and cheat, because ultimately most people who cheat in Destiny or at least egregiously cheat get banned. Yeah. They're not going to want to pay f f fucking excessively for that experience. So if every time they get banned, they have to rebuy the seasonal pass. I yeah, you're not going to do that. Yeah, you're not going to do yeah. that. I, I mean, I 100% I yeah. see Wally's thing because it, it it doesn't directly address the problem. The problem no. being that it's not a robust cheat system, right? However, it gets you a very similar outcome, which is getting rid sure. of cheaters. So it's a, it's a strategy to reduce the problem without addressing the the you know uh, the deficit. Um, I think the interesting point that came to my mind is like when you think about other and I think this is maybe where Destiny falls down. Think about other free to play games. Mm -hmm. They have, Fortnite, uh, Call of Duty, and Activision. They have a huge budget to keep to be able to keep a free to game play and to constantly upgrade their security systems. Bungie, I can't imagine, can, and this is where I think it comes down to logistics, have a free-to-play game and be able to ban and modify their system enough and adequately with their income. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like, you've got one end of the spectrum, which is Activision, that have almost limitless resources to be able to throw at this problem <laughs> yeah. to, to protect the integrity of their game, which is ultimately what it is. <laughs> And then on the other end, you've got Bungie, a newly recently fucking, you know, single mum, <laughs> trying to just do the best with what they got. So I'm, I'm not going to say that Destiny's anti-cheat right now is adequate because it's not, because it's not working. But I do believe that this is not just a Destiny problem. I think it's fucking heaps, heaps more widespread than that. I think as Freshie brought up in, um, in chat there, you do see less of it in Warzone, but in Warzone, you're also playing against everyone on console where it isn't as much of an issue, where if you play Destiny on PC, you're playing in the ecosystem directly where, that, yeah. where, where this shit yeah. occurs. So it's, it's not a like-for-like like comparison. So you know, you're talking you about a third of the second, playable. 
You know, the other secondary problem is account recoveries. Yep. Is that that should be an easy ban, right? Through IP. Yeah. yeah. Because oh, well, look, at it, is, look at it this way that's too. The industry that's encouraging the cheating. Well, yeah. the, the other change that they made is that if you are knowingly in a fire team with a cheater, and that's not you lobby with them, that's if you load into an activity in a fire team with a cheater, you are also liable to get banned. Good. So what you should be. So what, what that stops is people going, oh, okay, well, I'll get these two fucking accounts that I'm farming wins for, and they can sit there idle while I go and on this third character right. fucking yes. cheat. Yes. And for mine, like a lot of people's knee-jerk response to that was, oh my god, like what? I have to fucking quit the game if I load in with a cheater? No, it's it's based on the fire team. Unless you were consciously fucking loading into something. At least this is my understanding. Unless you are constantly from orbit loading in with someone who is using exploits, you are relatively you are you are not. I doing think the wrong that thing. is that that is one of the best solutions, right? Because it it sort of makes you collectively guilty, right? So if yeah. you know I'm a cheater and I take you two with me, you guys are knowingly doing it. Yeah, you you both should be fucked, right? Because you know that you're doing it. Uh, I, I agree with that solution. I, I you know I'm sure that's probably like you know caused some you know, panic and commodium a little bit, right? Because people took it like, what if if I'm in that lobby, right? Am I fucked too kind of thing? But I, I totally agree. I think it's a great, that's a great solution, right? Because it basically says if you are in the mob, you are going down with the mob. There's there's no question. Because like the cheaters that I that I posted on Twitter, right? In our trials games was literally doing that. It's free money. The, the game is free, right? They get mm. their account, 960. He had infinite ammo. He had infinite heavy. Had, he spawned with super. When he shot the ground, everyone died. The two players were uh, English names, right? They were mm-hmm. AFK the whole time. He was obviously getting paid to carry them to the lighthouse on a free account. It costs him nothing if he gets banned, and he gets straight back in there and does it again, and they pay him however much money to get them the lighthouse, lighthouse carry. Can, can I can I just add add something here, right? Just to indemnify myself from the record, just a little bit, right? <laughs> okay. Just 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 bear with me, gentlemen, right? I, I feel like this is my my preacher pew a little bit, but I want to want to talk about this. Okay, so as we were going through the Undying, right? You know how um, the Undying title to get that that stupid scout rifle, Randy's pitchfork or whatever it is, Randy's throwing yep. knife, right? Yeah. Okay, and you have to get uh, points, right? You get a certain amount of kills and you get points, and the points aren't clearly called out. Like it's headshots, whatever, right? I was that was the last thing I needed to do, legitimately the last thing I needed to do. I was so fed up with it, so fed up that I did look up, but did not purchase. Just on the record, I did look up, but did not purchase what it would take to get that done for me. That I didn't have to do it myself. That's how fed up I was with that. That's me being a per- that's a personal problem, right? I'm not. This is not a criticism of the seasonal system. But I have looked at that myself, and I just want to say that that process of, like, let's say, you know, account transfer and carries and payments, it's not very difficult, right? No. Like, yeah. that, that system is super, super. And it's super. not fucking cheap either. Yeah, I know you know what you're paying for, right? But the value of what you're getting, you can get um, uh, the not forgotten hand cannon, right? And some of those yeah. hand cannons that are re- relatively difficult. And I think the value is... I'm kind of curious. I might, I might look it up. But I think the value is something like $250. Yes, yes. yes. So, cause yeah. The reason why I know is I had those companies contact my brand manager and ask if I wanted to do a sponsorship. 
<laughs> and my brand manager was like, oh, you know, and I was like, hold on, give me the website. And now I get fucking ads for it because I've been to their fucking websites. All my fucking Google advertising is all like, are you too shit to get thorn here? 250 <laughs> US dollars. So fucking like, but yeah. It, it's 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 like a it's it's a shopping cart. You're like, what gun do you want? You're like, all right, I want not forgotten lunas and thorn. I'll give you a discount because you're purchasing fucking three items. P- plug in your PayPal. You you're ready to go, man. You give them your details. I go pay in your account. Yeah. Again, I just want to clarify, right? I I, I think there's 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 an argument that Get can be made. That, but they're but they're legitimately. Yeah, I imagine there's gonna be some pitchforks, but. There can be an argument made here, right, that the reason some of this exists, not all of it, right, and this is just a hot take, so don't crucify me. The reason some of these things exist is because the barrier to get these things is inherently time-consuming, right? That's the—it's not that they're necessarily difficult. All of those things in that are achievable, right? But the amount of time investment to get them is almost unreasonable for many players. So I think it's you kind of have to look at that as sort of a symptom of of what's going on. Again, a I hot think take, I, I think that right, ir- right. irrespective, it it would be going on. I think whether or not because you're talking about like pinnacle weapons and shit like that that are hidden behind mm-hmm. uh, high levels in comp things like that. So. You know, there are as much as like now the survival playlist, not the survival playlist, the whatever, what's it fucking called? Freelance. Yeah, whatever that is. It's the skill-based matchmaking unit now, so you can go in and get a relatively competitive game for the most part. There's some people who just aren't interested in that. So I understand, mm-hmm. like I think while I, I do agree that there would absolutely be a factor of people want that because they just don't, I can't be fucking asked spending the time to get it. I think that it... Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think that there's a there's a kind of a unique problem in Destiny, right? I think Destiny at some point suffers from a little bit of an identity crisis, at least the because of the way it's evolved. People want to get everything, right? Yeah. But it, the way the game is, and the way the game to an extent has always been, is that people kind of can't get everything or shouldn't get everything unless they are spending their entire life playing the game. Now. There are people who out there go out there and legitimately devour this game and get everything. And, you know, career streamers, things like that, people who are, you know, have the time to do that. That's that's all well and good. And they deserve all of those things. But I think it is unreasonable for someone who has limited time to expect that they will get everything. So I think totally I, agree I think there's a I think there's a there's kind of yeah. like a there's there's a okay, well, this is the, the philosophy by design, but also that it comes back to the individual to go, hey, look. Maybe if I can't fucking spend the time to do this, I probably just shouldn't have it to begin with. The mm-hmm. end. You know what? And I think Bungie needs to pick that track and make that part of their messaging. Like, this will be hard. Not everyone mm-hmm. will get it. So then, like, when people enter the game, like, there's whole games out there that I that I know that I'd probably like playing, but I'm like, mate, I know that I'm not going to get everything. And it's going to piss me off, so I'm not going to play mm-hmm. it. Right. There almost should be that expectation, like in Destiny, but it sort of floats between like everyone should be able to get everything, not everyone can get everything, and it's sort of like yeah. I don't know. I feel like it needs to pick pick the messaging. Like this is not a game for everyone. You would not be able to get everything. Yeah. <laughs> you will need to be dedicated <laughs> to get all the titles and all the weapons if you have time, and then you just sort of because that's a like Jug said in chat. It's a cultural thing. It's not actually yeah. to do with. The, yeah. the, I think the most ridiculous argument. Right. The most ridiculous argument you see around this is, 
Well, I paid for the game. Why shouldn't I get it? Like you paid for the game. Like that that is so fucking ass backwards. It's like go and play World of Warcraft right now, pay for the game, and expect to get every item through the game's entire fucking history. Good luck. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> people people who didn't play Burning Crusade and it shows, right? That's that's what that shows. <laughs> right? No, ser- seriously, right? Like cause yeah. It's original just, Warcraft it's entitlement. Was, it's just base level entitlement, and that's all. It is. Is, and I, I, I just want to say, I once you said that right about it's a cultural issue, a hundred percent agree. It like clicked in my head, right? It is very much an entitlement thing, right? It, it, at least where I think most of us are all at, we're we're an immediate gratification culture. You yep. click a button, you get something. You run on the 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 treadmill, you expect to be in shape, right? You order food, it comes instantly. We expect the same things about the time that we're putting in. So when we run into these barriers of like, oh my God, I have to invest a shit ton of time and I'm not getting what I want. It's an, it's like a culture shock a little bit and you're kind of reeled back. And I think personally, that's what I experienced a little bit. Instead of just finishing Randy's pitchfork and getting that done and spending another, you know, 30 games and scout rifle matches, right? I looked up, but again, did not purchase an account transfer to to get this right so in my mind to summarize this whole cheating stuff right it's it's obviously a complex problem and with anything doesn't matter what fucking industry and if you have a complex yeah. problem you need a multifaceted solution oh wow and I, and, good and word the use thing, <laughs> ceo activision here and uh <laughs> And the things that we spoke about was, I think account recoveries is is something that needs a solution. Obviously, like Wally said, the infrastructure needs to be improved. And the third thing is what Log was talking about, which is is access to it. And I think if you if you tick access to peak level activities with trials with with paid, you improve the infrastructure and you get rid of cultural things like paid recoveries, mate. That's got to take a huge chunk of hackers out of destiny. I think yeah. the, the thing that I am saddest about when it comes to trials, taking away all of the cheating and kind of the, the rapid kind of corruption of, of what it was as a thing, is that we never really saw that resurgence of trials streamers in the lobbies, right? Like in the Twitch lobby. Yeah. We, never, we never saw that real boom back into contention because no, there are so many fucking unknowns. Like you look at Grenada Jake's first week, right? He did more completions than anyone on the Xbox, carried people through, and I thought, fuck shit, this is, this is going to be great. This is what I wanted this to be. And then it was kind of like within two weeks, the whole thing just went and it was, it was dusted because no, the integrity of it's he's still. I mean, he's, he's, still, still, he's still killing it, but on, on PC. Watching it, man. Yeah, and deservedly well, so. I think incredibly good. You, you, got some, you got some other factors in there too, right? Yeah. You, the, the cheating element does make an impact on your big streamers. You just don't want to deal with that bullshit, right? You got to imagine like, it's probably fun, Malin. I'm sure you know you've done it on stream, right? Or even you log where you've run into it a couple of times. You're like, ha, 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 right? And then time ten, it's like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. Yeah. Um, the Valorant launch, I also think, had a little bit of an impact to play, right? Destiny, in my mind, is one of those things that is something people come back to seasonally for a little bit, and then it gets stale because it's essentially the same style of game, right? It's yeah. the same formula. They're gonna go to something else. So yeah. I think there's some other factors in there that have impacted, right? I think the one thing that I have been more and more surprised about is sort of like a lot of Destiny streamers coming up in the ecosystem of just Destiny. Um, guys like Dr. Lupo, for example, um, Glad, some of those really prominent, excellent streamers that almost came up within the Destiny scene exclusively 
are now sort of using this cheating opportunity, not necessarily Dr. Lupo, but let's just take Glad, for example. Yeah, Glad's right? a good example of, I know what you get there. Using this as an opportunity to say, I want to distance myself from this title, right? This is a factor. I want to explore other titles, right? He's, in my mind, whether this is his intention or not, this is the perfect opportunity for him to explore how he can extend his brand beyond Destiny because he can simply oh, yeah. just go back and yeah. point and say, the game has cheaters. What, what the fuck do you want me to do, community of followers? Yeah. You know? like Yeah, that, so, and I think for Glad, more, more so than anything, it was the fact that the depth of content isn't there. Yeah, I think, I think that that is ultimately what it was. He he has been an absolute grinding warhorse for fucking years at this point. Mm -hmm. He's played more Destiny than probably fucking most of us will ever play in the entire course sure. of, the rest of our life. But yeah. when it comes to the point where he's like, oh, I can't do this anymore for the sake of my own mental health, I'm going to branch out and try other things because there's just not enough here to keep me... Like, th there's things to do, but he's not engaged in it. At least that's the way mm -hmm. I read it. I think, mm -hmm. I think that it all harkens back to the the kind of the content model that we're in. And for mine, and look, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a rash statement, and then we're gonna jump into opening the chat to questions because I think I everyone haven't got those law yet either. What fucking like, well, we can come back to law while people do it. No one cares. Oh about mate, law. You, are, you are fucking you are blue balling a whole bunch of kids in chat right now. The one he hit me and Wally dirt out. Mate. Yeah, no, I'm gonna let you. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get another can of solo and let you have it. But I think, I think that Destiny needs to go back to at least four month content cycles, and just mm -hmm. allow for the fact that people are gonna drift in and out of the game. That you cannot, yeah. you cannot keep. 100% of people engaged 100% of the time without spreading your fucking butter too thin on that piece of toast and making it a shit dry piece of toast. There we go. No, I, I, I hear you. Uh, 100% <laughs> agree. 100% agree. And I just want to say uh, your chat is making some fucking great points. So uh, Law over and over Mac, again. <laughs> Mac, yeah. I don't know who that... All right, you let the people have it, boys. You go at it. I'm going to go get another can of Patriotic Solo and give myself the diabetes. Oh, is, it, is this the time? Can, can go. we... Yeah. Uh... yeah, go, go. L legit. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the total American thing and get another big tall can. You know? <laughs> We're going to okay, settle everyone, in. Everyone... No, okay, that's everyone, all right. I'll, I'll hang. You have, you have 60 seconds, everyone, to go grab a drink really quickly. And then I'm going to take you through this fucking script that I've been working on for... If you count the stream that I read it in, the Bandoila stream, um, <laughs> that was probably three hours of reading. Plus, I probably did six hours of note-taking yesterday. Back, uh, and I did another... I woke up at uh, seven this morning and I did another three hours. Look, this is already like, like I don't know, 10 to 15 hours of, of work already. So it is a complicated uh, piece, but I think it is really enjoyable. And they revisited a very, very common piece of speculation about Rasputin. So I'm going to talk about that now. If you have read the leaks, do not put them in chat. I will bash you. <laughs> Do not pull any leaks uh, anywhere. I have not read the leaks. I'm pretty sure this will eventually relate to the to the leaks. But this is the uh, I think the writer's intention was there was a breadcrumb trail that was put down in um, in the in the web law 
And I think it's going to lead to a very big twist from what I know so far. Are you ready, are you ready Wally? Probably DM me the links, by the way. Uh, I start screaming chat. Feel free to do that. Um, oh, great. Just, yeah, just I start so. screaming. Yeah, if you... Um, if, if you want yeah, to. If you, right. if you want to read some of the links. So yeah, thank the, you. Um, the web law, it was a big piece. I need to work out how many pages uh, it was, but it was... Um, actually in two parts. Uh, so we had the Shacks, the Shacks web law, but we also had two sections that were uh, about Anna Bray. And it okay. starts with essentially a volcanic storm on Mars. And, and Anna Bray still searching Mars, searching for clues from her family, just sort of generically at first, but we get a bit more information as it goes through. But she finds a, a Braytech institution. Um, and she has her ghost with her, and she also has um, Rasputin, who she calls Red. And it reveals an interesting way that she she speaks to Rasputin, and she actually has oh fuck, what's the word? You know, people who can play music but they see colors. Yeah, it's it's like inner helmet, yeah, right? Um, poly, it, yeah, polysynthesia, yeah. synth, uh, so something like that. Synth she she hears she communicates to Rasputin through multiple senses. She sees colors. She uh, has sensory stuff. And, and, and so the way that, um, so like one of the things says, uh, a synthetic tone ripples marmalade hue through her helmet. So she sees colors and stuff about, and she's actually speaking to Rasputin in this, in this fashion. So it develops a bit of a relationship between Rasputin and Anna Bray. So they have this trio, that's Ghost, Rasputin, and Anna Bray. Uh, they're, on, they're on Mars. There's a big storm. And the storm basically washes away some of the sand and they see a Clovis Braith facility. They enter the facility and Rasputin has no prior knowledge of this Clovis Braith facility. He doesn't, he's like, basically, what the fuck is this? I know everything and I'm not aware of what this facility is. So they, they, they keep exploring it, essentially. They get down, um, oh, and they also uh, hint at what Anna Bray is looking for and they call it Atlas, which is Clovis Bray's her grandfather's mythical journal. And that's all that's said about it. So she's, she's sort of trying to find clues about her family, essentially. Um, they get into the secret bunker and there's some very heavy blast doors that have been opened. So someone's entered the bunker um, prior to them. And we don't know the exact timeline, but they predict that it's a golden age because they end up finding a bunch of dead exos inside. And the exos look like they've got golden age tech, like a giant drill of some sort that they got through these blast doors. They're all dead. The security systems still work in the bunker. So these big machine guns basically drop down from the ceiling and scan Anna Bray and then at first accept her and don't open fire. They then proceed further down and find what looks like a gigantic server room the description's pretty hard, but it, it sounds like, and I don't know if this is a real thing somewhere, but you know you have liquid coolant for your PC. It yep. sounds like a fucking oceanic pool room with servers that are like in, submerged in liquid coolant. So it's fucking big. And they're like, holy shit, we've discovered Atlas. We've discovered like Braytex history. And they realize that that's not what they've discovered. Um, what they realize is they have discovered a system that was developed to be separate from Rasputin. 
independent of Rasputin and to take Rasputin down if he turned on humanity. And that's why Rasputin had no um, idea about this, this bunker. Mm-hmm. And what the bunker did is it, it took a copy of his mind and everything about Rasputin. And there's a hint that Anna Bray was selecting exo hosts to host Rasputin's mind. And it drops this massive bombshell about in the fucking middle of it. That no. this scary oh, of home. Hiding. There is a <laughs> the and and this is what we're this is what the whole video. There's more to this. There's way more to this. But this is where I'm going to end the video. Is there is the the foundation for a clone Rasputin in an exo body to be out there. That's sort of the the kick at the end of that. Yeah, There's way more to out of here. So I'll see if I can find. Do I have the? Dude, that's oh, sick. Because I I read I read some of this right, um, and just 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 side note here, right, and just just because we're riffing a little bit. Do you remember when uh there was a lore card that came out? I think it was like Taken King a while back, where I think it was like Zavala and Cade were making that commentary back and forth to each other, and it was like totally, you know, yes. I think it meant yes. to be humorous, right? Yeah, and he was like, like oh, you know that you're I, Rasputin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think the writers. So the thing is, it could just be the writers playing with that, but they definitely yeah. come back to revisit that thing. And I mm-hmm. want to find you. I don't actually have it right in my notes here, so I'm going to find you the exact quote so you can feel the power of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is way more to this because because Anna Bray then goes on from there to find the network mm-hmm. um, that was intended to basically partition Rasputin's mind. Um, and then there's this whole bunch of fucking crazy, like you see my notes, there's a whole bunch of crazy exo dream sequences in there where they were experimenting on exos. And this one exo like wakes up from this dream sequence in the space station that was a partitioned part of Rasputin's mind. And I'm writing notes, you're like, is this the exo stranger? Is this who oh, the exo shit. Is this who yeah. the exo stranger was talking to? Because it's a male exo that was like a partitioned component of like Rasputin's mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to the end of reading all this fucking shit, and I was like, I feel so bad. <laughs> I ripped on this. I ripped on this fucking this piece of writing at the beginning because it, it it was a complex piece of writing. I just didn't fucking get it at first, and I had to read it twice and make detailed notes on it. And uh, I think this is going to be a big twist. And when I've mentioned this theory to someone, they've then partially spoiled it for me by telling me a tiny part, not much. They told me who the character was. And in my mind, I'm like, fuck, I think I know where this is going to go. And it's going to be fucking massive if these leaks are correct. Um, I think it's a leaked law book. So I'm expecting at some point another law book. I'm expecting a law book to drop. And I think the information I put in this video will set you up to understand what happens in the next law book that comes out, which is basically what I've sort of just... Um... Cool, man. That's sick. <laughs> it only oh took us five God. years to get there. <laughs> it's all <laughs> happening so fast. That's, that's, but that's, that's always been the, the beauty in my mind of, of Destiny lore. You know, I think especially like when all of us started doing this, right? Uh, it, it is yes. that it, there's, there's so much legitimate open to interpretation, right? On some of these, like, and you can you can take one of these concepts, right? And it's like as you've done, right? You've written pages of notes on this, 
I have never been that enamored, you know what I mean, by anything else in any other lore series out there. Nothing else has done that to me where it's like, it's sort of taken my imagination and really run with it. And I've been very happy along this entire journey of like, well, what if this is connected? And this is the story about this. And how does the deep stone crypt affect this? And like, where does all this come together? And I think that is like the beauty of Destiny lore. And, and so I appreciate what you're saying about like, the concept in the lore books sometimes are difficult reads, right? They're, if you've ever read Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities, if you've ever read that in your life, that is the fucking densest, stupidest paperweight ever. But if you read it, like if you legitimately read it, you understand that every word placed in there serves a purpose, right? Very much like a lawyer writes contract. There's an element there where a coworker essentially told me this, right? And I, I agree with him. In contracts, Every word is written on a specific purpose, right? There is a specific reason why that word is in there. And I believe in some cases, like the book you're reading now, there's a reason why every single word is written in the way it is written. And there's the reason why yeah. things are vague and not vague. So I'm just, this is exciting, man. I, I'm, I'm super excited if, if, to see where the story goes. If I share my screen, will this break the setup? Uh, yes. Okay. Unless you replace your camera with it. Unless I, if I turn my camera off and then put no, the screen share just on. Just read it out okay. if you're going to read something okay. out. I was just going to show you all my notes on it, but th this is the... I'm just imagining main... that fucking Charlie Day meme of Charlie Day just like, ah, in front of the fucking... Yeah, like, and he's got like, the lines pointing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> if someone could do a Photoshop job of that with Matt's head on it, just with Rasputin written behind him, that would be fucking much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, so this is it. Uh, Echo appears to have been a contingency program that activates afterward. Though it also had a cornerstone schematic of his brain. Uh, light static fuzzes from bubble uh, speakers on Ash's dash, uh, Anna's dash. Her helmet, uh, oh, my notes go over it, on a hook behind, because I, I, I write on a PDF, so my notes yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> behind her. Uh, Rasputin's uplink is offline. Anna chews on the information for a moment. A foundational brain model would help with containment stability after the partitioning process. It's like a front porch for your brain. It goes on, Ginger continues. So your name is in Anna. Your name is cross-referenced all over this Anna. Neural webway, psycholinguistics, uh, uh, linguistics, exo brain maps with candidate profiles. It looks like Clover Spray was sinking Rasputin's basic core with viable hosts. It does not get fucking more that's specific sick. than that. Yeah. Dude, hey, that's you, that's do, cool. Do you know what I just remember this links to? Do you know the fucking... Do you remember um, the Seven Seraphs, right? The Seven yeah. Seraphs. Do you remember yep. the hidden bunker in Rasputin's vault? Have you oh, ever seen that? Yeah, uh, Destiny 1, old school, there right? Are, there are seven seats mm -hmm. with Rasputin's core and a fucking cable going to them. So, I mean, the, the so Seraphs you, you, piece... You're saying that seven Seraphs might be seven XOs that knowingly or unknowingly carry segmented portions of Rasputin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so, so I think you got you to gotta look at, like... So, Bungie's always done this, right, with a lot of their writing, is that, like, yeah. serifs themselves, right, they're, like, angelic creatures. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're, like, harbingers of something with yeah. immense, immense yeah. power, right? So there's a lot of symbolism in the language that Bungie uses, and there's a specific reason why they're calling them serifs, right? 
Um, so, you know, uh, me personally, there's got to be some type of connection. Uh, you know, I, I think it's very, very obvious. I, I can't say what it is because I, I just don't know. But I think if there's any any truth to what you're talking about here, Matt, there's an opportunity for there to be multiple versions of this, you know, like Exo Stranger style person, right? Exo Stranger style character where they're all different in some capacity. But even though, and correct me, right? They retconned the Exo Stranger, right? She doesn't exist anymore in the lore. Or no. is that? Uh, no, they they basically they said they were done with her. They so she still exists. Were, yeah, she still exists. They said they were done with her law, basically that her okay. her arc had finished. Um, and then what happened was it was actually Vicarious Visions that helped with a release, mm-hmm. and they actually put it wasn't in a law tab, it wasn't in game. It was like an augmented reality game that they did for people to find the fucking spear and oh, in, yeah, those, yeah. in those puzzle pieces it essentially pointed to her identity and so there's always been a bit of a like is this official is this not official i guess it's official <laughs> yeah okay all i'm saying right is that there there has to be some there, there's some gaps there right in in the story of rasputin um yeah. and like i said i haven't seen the leaks yet i've read the same you know sort of web lore series that you have i had a different takeaway on it completely um but again like i usually kind of read something once and then i got to go back to it again to really digest it but i'm with you man like i said i think truly the the one that really most interested me is brother vance in the lighthouse and the mechanic of of what that is right that that there's some there's some real unique like what is it communicating to and i think it's fairly obvious what it's communicating to Right, but like I think that the crazier part is that like, but why? I guess. Oh, how? Why is it? You know, on death, why is it being communicated, and why are the tones different? Right, and and why is Brother Vance even doing this in the first place? Like, obviously, he wants to impress Osiris, emulate, and innovate off of Osiris. Right, he's enamored by his character, so he's motivated by trying to be him and essentially better than him. Right, but. Still, at the same time, like Osiris told Saint-14, like, hey, the previous person who occupied this was up to some shit that we don't agree with. And Saint-14's like, yeah, we're going to do Trials of Osiris anyway. No no big deal, right? Like, <laughs> like come on, right? Like, What's the worst you, you're, happen, about, <laughs> you're talking about one of, one of the most iconic characters next to, like, Tolan, who has been essentially guiding the character in some aspects. And and being a focal point of the lore and a primary character, telling another primary character that like, hey, this isn't a good idea, and the, the you know Saint fourteen essentially just being like, unless I'm reading it wrong, there is no mention of him making any action against it. Like the trials of Osiris are still going to continue under his purview. So, yeah, I'm, tight, I'm interested to see where where the in-game trials because. You know, everything's going the direction that trials is probably not a good thing, right? Just, there's uh, a card. The, there's a card where uh, Saint stops a match, right? Or stops like a, a yeah. match because a warlock was using some type of of energy that was just like not. It wasn't. It seemed as oh, if it wasn't up the yeah, light. He, he was going for the final death, basically. It, yeah, it? and it was suffering, right? It was. It was like the opposite of of the of the light in some aspect and like what what i got away from that 
and again, there there was like the I think the the 4chan leak about this, right? Is that in the coming Destiny DLC, right? Destiny 3, whatever that looks like, there's gonna be another subclass which essentially allows Guardians access to control some type of element of the dark. Right? And and my whole thought process on this is is super simple, right? But in the gardener and the winterer style lore books, right? It's essentially saying that these two forces, the light and the dark, have written themselves into the game that we're all playing. And they're giving guardians and non-guardians abilities, paracasual abilities to break the laws of physics. Essentially magic, right? Titan's yeah. abilities to fucking do this and yeah. swords and yeah. all that, right? It's all magic. And it's because these two forces have written themselves into the game that allows everything to break, right? My argument is that these two forces are the same coin, just different sides. So, you know, yeah. just because we're using the light doesn't necessarily mean you can't flip the coin and then be using the dark. And there's some references of like, look at Dredge and Yor's storyline, right? Maybe a little bit of Tolan's, you know, storyline. These are individuals that have kind of weaved the boundaries of like good and evil, right? Light and dark and used both to their advantage. So I, I personally want to see that, right? I want to see us being able to sort of, you know, the old school KOTOR, uh, light, dark, right? Good, good versus evil, you know, light side, dark side, force kind of thing. I would love to see something akin to us being able to use the other, the other energy, right? The oh, dark yeah, energy. I hope so. You yeah. know what I love? I love, I love having there. to look at logs sit through us, fucking bang on about. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, you know what? You know what? You know what? I'm fine. I'm good. I've got a bit of love, man. I've gone through it already. It took me about a minute. But um, sometimes I, I recognize that sometimes the best thing I can do is just shut the fuck up. And this is one of those moments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I hope I hope all that stuff um, eventuates with, with, you know, Dark Guardians. I think that would be just an epic way to to go i think they're nowhere close to having those kind of systems involved because sure you know you need you you need your allegiance quest types of stuff you need mm -hmm. separate campaigns you need all this sort of deal uh because i think it would be a bit shallow to just say you can use dark powers now but yeah nothing changes for you but maybe that's big d3 or whatever the final iteration of destiny is um mm -hmm. Which would be cool, but man, I look. It's been a while since I've read a piece of lore and got not real. I do get excited when when I make videos. I usually start off with a oh, fuck. I really wish I was just playing Destiny right now, or I wish I yeah, was yeah. goofing around. And then I start <laughs> reading, and then and then eventually it gets a hook. It gets in, and then I'm like, okay, this is the topic. Let's double down this topic. Let's do a mm -hmm. bit more digging. And this one's fucking got me hook, line, and sinker. So uh, I um, I'll be fun to share it with people when. And apologize for giving so much shit to the fucking. <laughs> yeah, we're all oh, dude, we're I'm, all I'm the hard wrong. read. It was a fucking hard read, man. It was, it was, I'm dude. excited. I didn't even I'm make it all the way it, dude. I was just like, I read yeah. fucking scientific papers all day, every day, and I couldn't even be fucked making my way through it. So it was, um, it was yeah. tough like that. So. All right. Well, look what we might do. If you've got any super burning, urgent questions that you need to ask in the chat, fire them away now. But um. We're gonna we're gonna look to wrapping this up. This is probably honestly, like you know what, last week was probably the shortest episode we ever did. And this could well and truly be the longest inside the space of two weeks. So this is uh Hey man. As long as you guys keep supplying beers on, on my end, right? I'm pretty sure I signed that contract, right? That yeah, yeah. we'll take as much as I want. All supplied. I'm good, dude. That sounds so like exactly the kind of contract we would we would 
<laughs> be party to. That's absolutely it. We just said all I guess like the shit is be like just Fosters. It's just a fucking oh. case of Fosters. <laughs> yeah, but like everyone thinks we drink Fosters when we don't. So I know. That's, a, that's the joke. Yeah, wait, wait, it's kind of funny. So I've I've only been to Australia once, right? I, I was I was down in Sydney um uh last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Um what 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 is the beer of choice, right? Because in, in America, it depends kind of on where you are, right? On the West. Uh, we have very big Hispanic culture, right? So, um, uh, Corona is a big, big, good choice for a lot of people, right? And, and Modelo is a good choice, but like, what is it for you guys? Ah, oh, dude, there isn't, there isn't one. There, there's, there's sort of like probably five or six that all sort of sit in the in the same realm of mm. kind of like because because here it's similar, but it's it's state based. So there's, you've got like two East from New South Wales. It's like their extra dry is probably the the most widespread of their beers at the moment. Then you've got fucking uh, Victoria Bitter, which is VB, or Vaginal Backwash, which is from Victoria. Uh, you've got 4X, which is from Queensland. So it's kind of... And what do you got, Matt, over there? Emu or some made-up shit that no one else drinks every ever. Uh, Emu Export. Yeah, it's whatever that is. So you've got that. Matt, you're, you're in Perth, right? Is that, is yeah, that where yeah. you're at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. And that, that's, that's, that's the bad side of Australia, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <It's> just, <laughs> It's not necessarily bad. It's just it's nineteen eighty four. Next time in Australia, visit Log in Sydney, mate, and we'll host over in Perth and you fucking tell me which side's better. No, no, because this is I remember I remember when I came I came down to Australia, I I reached out to Matt and I was like, hey man, I'm gonna be in Sydney. Yeah, or Sydney is that close by, dude? And he just he hit me with the LOL. That's it. Just like a, 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 a quick LOL. He was like, "Yeah, dude, super close." And then I I looked up Google Maps and I looked up Perth and I was like, "Holy shit, this is literally yeah, like on the other side flight. of this fucking continent." Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you know, look, okay, ignorant American, forgive me a little bit, okay? Yeah, I know my I know my state. Responded with this LOL. <laughs> he hit me with the LOL, dude. Like a a cold hard ex girlfriend, dude. And I was like, sick, dude. No big deal. Like, shit. <laughs> oh fuck. Sorry. Oh, shit. Oh, All right. Well, what we might do, we might raid uh, and and wrap up the episode for this week. But oh my god, what a fucking show! That's probably yeah. been the most productive we've been in a long time in terms of talking about everything and everything and anything and everything yeah. else. But uh, special thanks, Wally. Seriously, thanks for coming on, mate. You're an absolute yeah. champion. And we kind of knew we were in for this before it all began. We, we you know, it's always good to catch up, but we're, we're going to have to definitely do it more regularly. So, so thank you very where, much. Where can people find time. your content? Because you're going to be putting out some some videos. And should they follow you Twitter or should they what YouTube? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I don't want to plug anything too hardcore. I would just say follow Twitter. Um, yeah. It's just at Sir Wallen. So, um, and I I post everything there. Uh, Content schedule is every Sunday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard. So for you guys, it's like, you know, specifically you two, it's like plus 15. Um, Monday morning. Yeah. So like Monday morning or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's my schedule. And and yeah, most of the time it's Destiny Lore, but sometimes I'll throw in a title, right? That, you know, like a division title or something like that. Awesome. Unreal. All right. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. It's been, yeah. Thank, one for the ages. Thank, thank you guys, sure. man. Ah. Uh.
No, yeah, I, I I truly I truly truly appreciate this is like I've done the the Destiny community podcast. It's not what it used to be called. Um, it used to be called right back in Planet my day, Destiny. the Planet Destiny. Yeah, yeah, podcast, right? You know, whatever, right? I guess they just no big deal. Um, anyway, this is the coolest podcast. You guys are fucking <laughs> awesome. So I I really. <laughs> I, I, re- I really appreciate and that, it, right? You guys. You if guys you needed any warm, further proof that we're paying Wally for his time here, you just got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna wait. Yeah, sorry, we're at, we're at two hours, mate. We're at two hours on the dot. That's it. See you later. Um, <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna go raid riot. He is. Uh, I think he's fighting the good fight for the warlocks at the moment. So you can go and tell him how great Titans are and that we're winning. So if you want to do that, you can. But Maddie, where is the law finding people from this week? Oh, uh, the law will find you in the cold, dead mindset of an exo body that is laying dormant on a partitioned mind of Rasputin. That was a bit serious, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. <laughs> Not like last week. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was one of your best ones. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye.